Part One, Section One of the Life of King Alfred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of King Alfred by Asser, Bishop of Sherborne. Translated by J. A. Giles. Part One, Section One. The life of King Alfred from A.D. 849 to A.D. 887. Part 1. In the year of our Lord's incarnation, 849, was born Alfred, King of the Anglo-Saxons, at the royal village of Wanating in Berkshire, which country has its name from the wood of Berok, where the box-tree grows most abundantly. His genealogy is traced in the following order. King Alfred was the son of King Ethelwulf, who was the son of Egbert, who was the son of Elmund, was the son of Eafa, who was the son of Eopa, who was the son of Ingild. Ingild and Ina, the famous king of the West Saxons, were two brothers. Ina went to Rome, and there, ending this life honorably, entered the heavenly kingdom to reign there for ever with Christ. Ingild and Ina were the sons of Coenred, who was the son of Caelwald, who was the son of Cudam, who was the son of Cuthwin, who was the son of Caolin, who was the son of Kinric, who was the son of Creoda, who was the son of Curdic, who was the son of Alesa, who was the son of Gewis, from whom the Britons name all that nation Gegwis, who was the son of Brand, who was the son of Beldeg, who was the son of Woden, who was the son of Frithawald, who was the son of Freyalaf, who was the son of Frithawulf, who was the son of Finn of Godwulf, who was the son of Geat, which Geat the pagans long worshipped as a god. Note. Gegwis, the Gewissa, generally understood to be the West Saxons. End of note. Sedulius makes mention of him in his metrical paschal poem as follows. When Gentile poets with their fictions vain and tragic language and bombastic strain to their god Geat, comic deity, loud praises sing, etc. Geat was the son of Tatwa, who was the son of Baal, who was the son of Skeldi, who was the son of Heramod, who was the son of Etermon, who was the son of Hathra, who was the son of Guala, who was the son of Bedwig, who was the son of Shem, who was the son of Noah, who was the son of Lamech, who was the son of Methuselah, who was the son of Enoch, who was the son of Malalakai, who was the son of Canaan, who was the son of Enos, who was the son of Seth, who was the son of Adam. The mother of Alfred was named Osburga, a religious woman, noble both by birth and by nature. She was daughter of Oslac, the famous butler of King Ethelwulf, which Oslac was a Goth by nation, descended from the Goths and Jutes of the seed, namely, of Stuf and Whitgar, two brothers and counts, who, having received possession of the Isle of Wight from their uncle, King Curdic, and his son Kinric, their cousin, slew the few British inhabitants whom they could find in that island at a place called Gwitgaraburg, 
for the other inhabitants of the island had either been slain or escaped into exile. Note. Gwitgaraburg. Carisbrook, as may be conjectured from the name, which is a combination of white and Caraburg. End of note. In the year of our Lord's incarnation, 851, which was the third after the birth of King Alfred, Carol, Earl of Devon, fought with the men of Devon against the pagans at a place called Wigemborg, and the Christians gained the victory. And that same year the pagans first wintered in the island called Shepi, which means the Sheep Isle, and is situated in the river Thames between Essex and Kent, but is nearer to Kent than to Essex. It has in it a fine monastery. The same year also a great army of the pagans came with three hundred and fifty ships to the mouth of the river Thames, and sacked Doroburnia, which is the city of the Cantuarians and also the city of London, which lies on the north bank of the river Thames, on the confines of Essex and Middlesex. But yet that city belongs in truth to Essex, and they put to flight Bertwolf, king of Mercia, with all the army which he had led out to oppose them. After these things, the aforesaid pagan host went into Surrey, which is a district situated on the south bank of the river Thames, and to the west of Kent. And Ethelwolf, king of the West Saxons, and his son Ethelbald, with all their army, fought a long time against them at a place called Ackley, that is, the Oak Plain. And there, after a lengthened battle, which was fought with much bravery on both sides, the greater part of the pagan multitude was destroyed and cut to pieces, so that we never heard of their being so defeated, either before or since, in any country in one day and the Christians gained an honorable victory and were triumphant over their graves. In the same year, King Athelstan, son of King Ethelwulf, and Earl Alhera slew a large army of pagans in Kent at a place called Sandwich and took nine ships of their fleet. The others escaped by flight. In the year of our Lord's incarnation, 853, which was the fifth of King Alfred, Bored, king of the Mercians, sent messengers, and prayed Ethelwulf, king of the West Saxons, to come and help him in reducing the midland Britons, who dwell between Mercia and the Western Sea, and who struggled against him most immoderately. So without delay, King Ethelwulf, having received the embassy, moved his army and advanced with King Bored against Britain, and immediately on entering that country he began to ravage it, and having reduced it under subjection to King Bored, he returned home. Note. This is one of the few instances in the work in which the name Britannia applied to Wales. End of note. In the same year, King Ethelwulf sent his son Alfred above named to Rome, with an honorable escort, both of nobles and commoners. Pope Leo IV at that time presided over the Apostolic See, and he anointed for king the aforesaid Alfred, and adopted him as his spiritual son. The same year also Earl Alhera with the men of Kent, and Eluda with the men of Surrey, fought bravely and resolutely against an army of the pagans in the island, which is called in the Saxon tongue Tenet, 
but room in the British language. The battle lasted a long time, and many fell on both sides and also were drowned in the water, and both the earls were there slain. In the same year also, after Easter, Ethelwolf, king of the West Saxons, gave his daughter to Burred, king of the Mercians, and the marriage was celebrated royally at the royal ville of Chippenham. In the year of our Lord's incarnation, 855, which was the seventh after the birth of the aforesaid king, Edmund, the most glorious king of the East Angles, began to reign on the eighth day before the calends of January, that is, on the birthday of our Lord, in the fourteenth year of his age. In this year also died Lothair, the Roman emperor, son of the pious Louis Augustus. In the same year, the aforesaid venerable King Ethelwolf released the tenth part of all his kingdom from all royal service and tribute, and with a pen never to be forgotten, offered it up to God, the one and the three in one, in the cross of Christ, for the redemption of his own soul and of his predecessors. In the same year he went to Rome, with much honour, and taking with him his son, the aforesaid King Alfred, for a second journey thither, because he loved him more than his other sons, he remained there a whole year, after which he returned to his own country, bringing with him Judith, daughter of Charles, the King of the Franks. In the meantime, however, whilst King Ethelwolf was residing beyond the sea, a base deed was done, repugnant to the morals of all Christians, in the western part of Selwood. For King Ethelwald, son of King Ethelwolf, and Alstan, bishop of the church of Sherborne, with Eanwulf, earl of the district of Somerton, are said to have made a conspiracy together, that King Ethelwolf, on his return from Rome, should never again be received into his kingdom. This crime, unheard of in all previous ages, is ascribed by many to the bishop and earl alone as resulting from their counsels. Many also ascribe it solely to the insolence of the king, because that king was pertinacious in this matter, and in many other perversities, as we have heard related by certain persons, as also was proved by the result of that which follows. For as he was returning from Rome, his son aforesaid, with all his counsellors, or, as I ought to say, his conspirators, attempted to perpetrate the crime of repulsing the king from his own kingdom. But neither did God permit the deed, nor would the nobles of all Saxony consent to it. For to prevent this irremediable evil to Saxony, of a son warring against his father, or rather of the whole nation carrying on civil war, either on the side of the one or the other, the extraordinary mildness of the father, seconded by the consent of all the nobles, divided between the two the kingdom which had hitherto been undivided. The eastern parts were given to the father, and the western to the son. For where the father ought by just right to reign, there his unjust and obstinate son did reign, for the western part of Saxony is always preferable to the eastern. When Ethelwolf, therefore, was coming from Rome, all that nation, as was fitting, so delighted in the arrival of the old man, that if he permitted them they would have expelled his rebellious son Ethelbald, with all his counsellors, out of the kingdom. 
But he, as we have said, acting with great clemency and prudent counsel, so wished things to be done that the kingdom might not come into danger. And he placed Judith, daughter of King Charles, whom he had received from his father by his own side on the regal throne, without any controversy or enmity from his nobles, even to the end of his life, contrary to the perverse custom of that nation. For the nation of the West Saxons do not allow a queen to sit beside the king, nor to be called a queen, but only the king's wife, which stigma the elders of that land say arose from a certain obstinate and malevolent queen of the same nation, who did all things so contrary to her lord and to all the people, that she not only earned for herself exclusion from the royal seat, but also entailed the same stigma upon those who came after her. For in consequence of the wickedness of that queen, all the nobles of that land swore together that they would never let any king reign over them who should attempt to place a queen on the throne by his side. And because, as I think, it is not known to many whence this perverse and detestable custom arose in Saxony, contrary to the custom of all the Theotisian nations, it seems to me right to explain a little more fully what I have heard from my lord Alfred, king of the Anglo-Saxons, as he also had heard it from many men of truth, who in great part recorded that fact. There was in Mercia, in recent times, a certain valiant king who was feared by all the kings and neighboring states around. His name was Offa, and it was he who had the great rampart made from sea to sea between Britain and Mercia. Note. Offa's Dyke between Wales and England. End of note. His daughter, named Adberga, was married to Bertric, king of the West Saxons, who immediately, having the king's affections and the control of almost all the kingdom, began to live tyrannically like her father, and to execrate every man whom Bertric loved, and to do all things hateful to God and man, and to accuse all she could before the king, and so to deprive them insidiously of their life or power, and if she could not obtain the king's consent, she used to take them off by poison, as is ascertained to have been the case with a certain young man beloved by the king, whom she poisoned, finding that the king would not listen to any accusation against him. It is said, moreover, that King Bertric unwittingly tasted of the poison, though the queen intended to give it to the young man only, and so both of them perished. Bertric, therefore, being dead, the queen could remain no longer among the West Saxons, but sailed beyond the sea with immense treasures, and went to the court of the great and famous Charles, King of the Franks. As she stood before the throne and offered him money, Charles said to her, Choose, Edburga, between me and my son, who stands here with me. She replied, foolishly and without deliberation, If I am to have my choice, I choose your son, because he is younger than you. At which Charles smiled and answered, If you had chosen me, you would have had my son but as you have chosen him, you shall not have either of us. However, he gave her a large convent of nuns, in which, having laid aside the secular habit and taken the religious dress, she discharged the office of abbess during a few years. For, 
as she is said to have lived irrationally in her own country, so she appears to have acted still more so in that foreign country. For being convicted of having had unlawful intercourse with a man of her own nation, she was expelled from the monastery by King Charles's order, and lived a vicious life of reproach in poverty and misery until her death. So that at last, accompanied by one slave only, as we have heard from many who saw her, she begged her bread daily at Pavia, and so miserably died. Now, King Ethelwolf lived two years after his return from Rome, during which, among many other good deeds of this present life, reflecting on his departure according to the way of all flesh, that his sons might not quarrel unreasonably after their father's death, he ordered a will or letter of instructions to be written, in which he ordered that his kingdom should be divided between his two eldest sons, his private inheritance between his sons, his daughters, and his relations, and the money which he left behind him between his sons and nobles, and for the good of his soul. Of this prudent policy we have thought fit to record a few instances out of many for posterity to imitate, namely, such as are understood to belong principally to the needs of the soul, for the others which relate only to human dispensation it is not necessary to insert in this work lest prolixity should create disgust in those who read or wish to hear my work for the benefit of his soul then which he studied to promote in all things from his youth he directed through all his hereditary dominions that one poor man in ten either native or foreigner should be supplied with meat drink and clothing by his successors until the day of judgment, supposing, however, that the country should still be inhabited both by men and cattle, and should not become deserted. He commanded also a large sum of money, namely three hundred mancuses, to be carried to Rome for the good of his soul, to be distributed in the following manner, namely, a hundred mancuses in honour of St. Peter, specially to buy oil for the lights of the church of that apostle on Easter Eve, and also at the cock-crow, a hundred mancuses in honour of St. Paul, for the same purpose of buying oil for the church of St. Paul the apostle, to light the lamps on Easter Eve and at the cock-crow, and a hundred mancuses for the universal apostolic pontiff. But when King Ethelwulf was dead and buried at Stemrugum, his son Ethelbald, contrary to God's prohibition and the dignity of a Christian, contrary also to the custom of all the pagans, ascended his father's bed and married Judith, daughter of Charles, king of the Franks, and drew down much infamy upon himself from all who heard of it. Note. Stemrugum. Ingram supposes this to be Stonehenge. Stanningham, however, is the common reading, which Camden thinks is staining in Sussex. The Saxon Chronicle, A.D. 855, states that Ethelwolf was buried in Winchester. End of note. During two years and a half of licentiousness after his father, he held the government of the West Saxons. End of Part 1, Section 1